When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Nice one. This is Manchester United under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Manchester United have produced the impossible. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Cole. And I'm Imran. We are convening here on Sunday night, a few hours after a crazy game against West Ham. Three points in the bag, but it wasn't that easy at all. And uh, yeah, we'll be running through that game, looking ahead to another game against West Ham. And then uh, Villa next weekend. Um, but yeah, we're coming off the back of a bad result against Young Boys. Uh, don't know if you caught our kind of late-released podcast after that, where Ushwin made his hosting debut from... USA, but yeah, we came into this game with a bit of worries, and uh, I mean, yeah, Imran, were you confident, for, com- feeling confident after that? Because you know, after you lose, you're never too sure what's going next game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I never feel confident to be honest with you. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, I never really like going to. Well, it used to be Upton Park, and now London Stadium. I like in my head, I feel like we don't have a good record there, but I think we actually do. I'm not entirely sure. But well, I was actually there. Not last season, season before when we lost. Yeah, and I remember that we lost was at a the... time as well when there was a lot of pressure on Ole and you know a lot of negativity. So I remember I have bad memories of that stadium actually because and I'm we like, lost yeah, that last that. game at Upton Park, which I remember famously. And then mm. yeah. I, know, I just I just don't like going to West Ham. I don't know. They always seem to game raise against us a little bit. So I'm never. It's never my my favorite place to go. I know. I don't know. I felt like. Just might be one of those days, especially with City dropping points yesterday, that we might drop points as well. So I was very relieved at the end of the game for a whole multitude of reasons. But yeah, really good to get the win. I mean, yeah, look, if we go straight to kind of looking at the lineup, uh, you know, the kind of biggest news was, I guess, back to McFred. You know, we talked on the last podcast about how we'd literally had a different midfield partnership in every game so far this season. And this is the first time we've had McFred since the opening day of the season against Leeds United when it went pretty well. Uh, you know, I've always been one who said they're way better than people give them credit for. But yeah, Colm, when you saw McFred there, how, you know, are you are you happy with that or are you moving away from it? Um, happy is maybe not the right word. I'm content um, when I see McFred, uh, particularly against the likes of West Ham, you know, the rice Suchek um, midfield is not um, horrendous by any stretch of the imagination and is certainly combative. So I think it's very much a McFred kind of game. I don't mind Pogba for left at all, particularly at the moment whilst Rashford is still out. Um, so I was totally fine with the lineup. Um, I had a wee slight concern that McTominay was back quite quickly after the surgery, but, you know, he's a player you probably would expect that of anyway and not really feel too much um risk around that so i was totally fine with it i think you know they're always going to give you that six out of ten really at the as a minimum um, and they're always going to be solid and, and work hard and be combative and i mean with the with the four in front of them if we struggle to create it can't just be their fault you know so um i was i was pleased pleased with um 
Sancho even and, and Greenwood maintain this place, Sancho being on the bench because I just felt that he hasn't, you know, hasn't set the world light. And it, if you looked at that bench at the start of the game, it's so strong, you know, to have someone like Sancho to come in and make an impact, I thought might be valuable. Um, later in the game and actually it wasn't him but the other fellow who came on but it was kind of that principle that the the bench was super strong and the, the team I thought sort of picked itself yeah I was pretty happy with that I think Imran it was you who actually said kind of pre-match do you think Ole might throw in Jesse Lingard just because of their connection and yeah he didn't in the end but he did obviously come on and make a massive impact and uh, you know I guess he's I was going to say he's kind of the story of the day, but there's so many stories from this game. Uh, you know, the crazy end, game. End of this match was absolutely mental. Uh, but I mean, you know, one of the big takeaways that I was really happy with was just how after we went one down that we immediately came yeah. back into it. Uh, you know, there's been so many times last season that we did come back, but we often had to get to half time to yeah. then come back out and make a difference. Whereas in this, it was like immediately we were on it and you know i think it was only what five minutes later that we were back to 1-1 and uh, you know that shows a big kind of shift especially after losing midweek going that one down but there to come back like minutes later and hit it again uh is really the thing that is the difference in mentality i think we can see coming over here a little bit from this team now and i don't know you know if things are emanating from the likes of ronaldo coming in and yeah his record is totally mental i i have to say that i did not expect him to be this good this quickly, uh, you know, four goals in three games. I, I honestly, it's just already for me, like way above expectation. Um, and yeah, he could have had a couple more goals today, right, Imran? I think he, didn't he have something like 10 shots by the end of the game or something daft? I know mm. at one point he had seven shots. They were showing that people had the shots in the game and it was Ronaldo seven and then like four West Ham players who had two shots each or something. Um, so, I mean, he had that big chance at the beginning of the second half which he thought, actually, Ronaldo really should score. And then there was the one in the first half as well where McTominay put him through. I was actually a bit disappointed with that because McTominay put him through a really good ball and you think you've got to square that to Mason. And then I got into a bit of like, oh, that's, this is going to be the problem with Ronaldo. He's never, like, Ronaldo is never going to square that ball. Never. No. Like, no. you just can't expect it. He should square that ball, but he never will. Yeah. And I, I was getting like, oh, this is the problem with Ronaldo. Blah, blah, blah. Then literally went and scored. I was like, well, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shouldn't be, shouldn't be moaning all the time uh, with a, a just a, again great movement Bruno puts it exactly where he wants to put it and actually his first shot's not great but you get it on target you follow it in you get a goal and like you said didn't expect him to hit the ground running as well as he has done but I'm thrilled about it I think um, he scored our first goal in every game this season as well which kind of touches back to that mentality point where um, as soon as we went down it was like he was the one who was going to drag us back into it. And I think he'll do that more often than not. And I just think like watching him, particularly in that first half, I thought we were actually really good in the first half. It was a very good game of football. Mm. Um, certainly very good going forward. And as everyone said, I think we had like seven shots on target just in the first half, 10 yeah, in the game, which is the most of any team um, joined up with Liverpool and City so far this season. Which I think, you know, anytime you have 10 shots on target, stuff like that, you know, You've clearly played well in an attacking sense, but just the movement of Ronaldo and the the way that everyone in the team is now so dialed into that, you know, I don't necessarily think his movement is that much better than the like of Cavani's, but it's almost like because of who he is, obviously, and what he's achieved, anytime he does make a run, someone, whoever has the ball feeds, like they should try and find him or like he's setting that expectation on the training ground or pre-match or whatever, that he is just so demanding of the ball that his runs look amazing because everyone's trying to feed him every time he makes a run. Mm. I think previously you would have seen Cavani, Rashford, not really Martial because he doesn't make runs, <laughs> but like make runs and then not get the ball and then look frustrated or whatever. That very rarely happens with Ronaldo because anytime he makes a, a run, it's so um, it's so uh, kind of clear what he's trying that whether it's McTominay or you know Greenwood or you know Bruno doesn't need an excuse to try a pass but even players who wouldn't typically look for those kinds of passes I saw Fred try and float one over the kind of last defender I was like I don't think I've ever seen you try that pass before you know because and it didn't work because it's really not his locker but he tried it because I think people just think oh god Ronaldo wants the ball I have to give it to him and it kind of ties into Imran's point around not scoring at the Mason there are times where I think that can be a negative um, you know, we've seen a, a huge increase in crosses. We had like 33 today, which was David Moyes-esque, to be honest, um, which is a lot. And it's a lot, particularly if they aren't very good crosses. But again, I just think the players want to just feed him the ball and that he demands that. And at the moment, 
I really don't have an issue with it, even if the crosses are, you know, Aramwab Masaka floaters or whatever else, because I think it generates a lot of second ball. I think it just puts pressure. I mean, Ogbonna and um, Kurtzuma today intercepted so many yeah. balls, played really well, but not all teams will defend like that. They defended extremely well because they had to, and we still created a, a ton of chances um, and shots on target and stuff. And I just think, like, we're so direct with him and the team. And we're so like straight to the point. I really, I've really enjoyed watching. I think it's made a big difference, like our kind of intent in these games. I think another good thing as well, which is nice to see, is that when he hasn't got the ball, he hasn't thrown a strop at the player, no. which I thought might happen, but it might well happen at some point. hundred percent, it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, and I'm quite encouraged by that. Um, He's and still also, on absolute best behavior. Yeah, he is, which is nice to see. And also, I feel like Mason is working quite well with him as well in terms of like. Mm the way they dovetail their runs with each other and like totally. moving off each other, I think quite well. I think Mason's actually, I mean, he's been an excellent start to season. I think people were like, oh, Ronaldo might hamper him. But I think currently you don't, you can't take Mason out of the team. I thought he was unlucky to be a sub today, actually. I thought he was having a really good game, especially just his runs are so intelligent where he's moving, uh, especially in relation to Ronaldo. I think it's, it's really good to see from the both of them. Here's Bruno Fernandes. Curl back in towards Ronaldo. No mistake the second time. It had to be him, didn't it? The goal-scoring start to this wonderful return continues just when they needed him most. Ronaldo steps up for Manchester United. It's classic Ronaldo, isn't it? He's there to pick up his own bits and pieces. Well, that's it. I do see Ronaldo drops deep quite often to come and get the ball and then... Mason, Bruno do have to then make those forward runs. There's a couple of times where I saw there was nobody going in front of him. But yeah, when we did, I thought, yeah, like I agree with you, Colm. I thought our first half was really good and just, yeah, I was very happy with how it went. Uh, as I say, there's a lot of focus on that midfield area. I think McTominay is the kind of player when he's not there, you kind of realise what you miss. And now that he's back and, you know, he's not even at full fitness yet. I thought, yeah, it was really good to see him back there. And I always said that even though, like, you know, McTominay and Fred are kind of more together than the sum of their parts or uh, whatever the saying goes. <laughs> I didn't think either of them had a particularly great game today, I will say. I thought McTominay looked a bit off the pace and Fred was just a bit erratic, really, in, in typical, I mean, I, in typical yeah. Fred fashion. Yeah, exactly. I, I just struggle with Fred because he's so necessary in that team for his energy and his sheer work that he gets through the ground that he covers. And yet, after he covers that ground, he inevitably, you know... Well, it's a mixed bag. It's a lottery, isn't it? Anything it's, can it's happen It's just an absolute point. lottery. Exactly. And even even when he's covering and he's like going to tackle someone, you think he should easily win that ball. He'll somehow, you know, lose it. And other times he'll nip in and get it. So it's just such a mixed bag. And yet, if he wasn't there to do it, no one else could because no one else has that kind of mobility. And I agree. I did think McTominay looked a little bit sluggish today, which is understandable. Um, but I just still felt at times there was just cavernous holes mm. in our in our sort of centre of the park, and I and I also still feel that our 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 defensive line is just so high. You know, there's times where Ram Sack is up the pitch, Shaw's up the pitch, Maguire stood right beside Fred, and Varane stood right beside McTominay, and there's just the whole other half is just empty. And like I really applaud that because it's clearly you know intentional, but boy, it's it is brave. And again, I thought Varane was superb, and mm. he does mop up so much. But there will be times where we're seriously found out with that and we will concede these kind of breakaway chances as uh, as we did today. But to be honest, if we're going to control the game and make chances in that way and we're just going to be a little bit, you know, um, at risk at the back, I'm kind of okay with that. But it will feature throughout the mm. season, I think. I, do, I, do, I don't know whether it's because we now have Varane next to Maguire and not Lindelof, but Maguire looks really slow at times. <laughs> like, I mean, Maguire so today, accentuated. not only slow... He misplaced about four of the easiest passes I've ever seen. He just kept like passing five yards away from someone. It was like it was like one of his contacts slipped out or something like that. Like it's just completely unjustifiable passes for an elite Premiership footballer who's getting paid whatever. He, had a weird a week, game you know like, he also gave him that chance in the first half where it went to Bowen. Where I'm not entirely sure what he was trying to do. Like, he it's one of those ones where he's waiting and waiting and waiting. For and what, he's like, what are you waiting for, mate? Yeah. Exactly. And then he tries to dribble out. And I'm like, if you had to just, you know, when the like four bounces of the ball ago, if you had to just cleared it or passed it or whatever, this wasn't a problem. You know, you just made this into a bad situation. Um, I still think he'd come very good yeah, against yeah. Fran, but it really hasn't been a great start to the season. And he was, he was pretty dicey today. 
Yeah, I think that both, I mean, we've even said it a little bit about Shaw. I thought he was actually better today, but I think maybe both Maguire and Shaw have got a bit of that kind of Euros hangover mm. where they've barely had a break since finishing mm. that tournament to go straight into it. And I think they're definitely suffering a bit from that. And at some point, you know, they both need to have some kind of time out. Because, uh, you know, there's another international break coming up pretty soon, I think, like um, just at the end of the month. They need to pick up phantom injuries. Oh, yeah. They need <laughs> to have some Cavani, yeah. somewhere. The, the, those Fergie injuries that we always used to get, we need some of them back. Um, do, you think, do you think Varane will be... I'm not, I'm not blaming him or anything. But do you think he'll be disappointed in, in himself for the goal? I think, no. I, I, I think that uh, as a defender... You know, we did have this one against Fred a few weeks ago, didn't we? Where everybody yeah. said, oh, Fred he didn't was make enough. Fred was worse. Fred was worse because Fred was a lazy foot, which can then go anywhere. Exactly. And also Fred was a lot closer. Fred didn't have to make up ground necessarily. He yeah. was there. Whereas Varane's whole issue is he's coming across and he's out of position or the whole team's out of position. And therefore he is in that mm. he is in that problem. He does turn on it slightly. By the way, do we concede the most deflected goals do you think <laughs> of like anyone it. in world football? Or is that just me that thinks that? Because it just Good seems like any time someone Lampard takes anymore. <laughs> it, is. it seems like any time anyone takes a shot from the edge of the box, we're just in that awkward distance where someone just wants to throw a wee gangly leg at it or something. But, but is is this not um, a is a symptom of having that hole in midfield where people will get space I on think the edge so. of the box? That's what, that was that was about to be my point. Was that I actually wouldn't blame Brown for that at all. I would one hundred percent blame the two centre defensive midfielders or or whoever should have been in that space. For me, you know, it was a nicely worked move from West Ham, but. In order for our team to get so out of shape that a, a, a player has that much, Ben Rama, nonetheless, you know, one of the most dangerous players, has that much space right on the edge of, your, of our box, mm. you know, is, is is not good at all. And I was just, I would need to go back and watch it again, but I would really like to see exactly where everyone was, you know, Fred, McTominay, other people, really where they were in the context of that move, because it just seemed like there was this big, massive gap right in the middle of our box. Well, we've conceded, what, four goals in the Premier League, and three of them have been from outside the box. So that that must be saying something. Yeah, two of them, I did two see of them, one two, deflected two goal going for Chelsea today. So yeah, other people do get them as well. Yeah, they do. I think I mean, Kante had a random one today, but yeah. But it, mm. the fact that we are conceding these goals from outside the box is, I mean, there, there must be something going on there. Um, who scored yeah, for I mean, Leeds? It's indicative of a dense midfielder. Uh, it was uh, the right scored the screamer. Yeah, yeah and yeah. He, he had so much time again. Just yeah. One of those things, but it's probably just something to work on. But like, I, I don't. I'm not blaming Varane. I just think maybe, maybe the standards that he holds himself to, he might be disappointed. But I'm not. I'm not going to like lynch him for anything. Yeah, I mean, I, like, as a defender, I think that if you get like some kind of block on it that you've done all right, and then if you're unlucky, you know, like I say, it's just unlucky. Uh, you know, I don't think you can be blamed if you get something on it. Even I thought, you know, it was a bit harsh on Fred when some people were blaming him for that first one but ah. you're right he was much closer no, I do think that's could have, yeah yeah no he could have done better for sure whereas you like to say Varane it's more like last ditch sliding in trying to get in the way uh and you know those things do happen and do go in from there but yeah as we said before it's the reaction to conceding coming straight back in that was really great to see uh and you know the first time xg showed that we absolutely like deserved it uh you know 0.6 for west ham versus 1.48 for us uh, so really, yeah, we should have been winning even by half time. But I guess you know we were pretty happy to be one one when you go one behind. Uh, you know, so many times it had to be at half time and we were still losing. So at least today we were already back to one one. And you know, I, I, and I was kind of surprised myself to see the full time xG, which then goes all the way to one point six seven West Ham one point nine. Uh, but a lot of that is down to their penalty, I suppose. Uh, adds on a lot from there. You know, our second half was possibly, yeah, not as good uh, no. as our first half. It was a bit, just nothing going on, really. After There was that Ronaldo chance at the beginning and then just preceded by a ton of corners and yeah. just nothing nothing really in between. Um, Frust- frustratingly, really well taken corners yeah. that didn't threaten in any way. Yeah, like n- n- no real blame on the taker. Yeah, they were into decent, yeah. no one, none hit the front man, which, you know, was a problem of ours for yeah. very, a very long time. It just, yeah, just nothing seems to be happening. I thought, I thought for as good, as, I thought Bruno was really good in the first half, especially after we conceded, he really pushed us on quite well. Then I thought in the second half, he was just becoming the frustrated version of Bruno, where he's mm. over trying and it's it's just not going right for him. And then I thought Pogba came. Which, which like, just go on, sorry. What sort of disappointed me was, you know, we 
we were playing well in the first half, went down to a very unfortunate goal, immediately got ourselves back into it, finished the half really, really strongly. Came out in the second half, started really well. They were super flat. They were creating mm. loads of problems for themselves, trying to play for the back. We got that quick chance for Ronaldo that I thought possibly could have lifted. I thought it was a good chance. Um, but then after that, West Ham, for like 20, 30 minutes that, of that second half at the start, just looked completely out of it. They looked really down. They were making lots of unforced errors, giving us the ball in really good places. As you say, we were winning corner after corner. But we, aside from that, we weren't really threatening. And I was just sitting there going, you know, if we do not win this game today, I will look back on this period of the football match and be very disappointed that we didn't make more of this because it just seemed like if we raised the intensity just a little mm. bit, it seemed like we were happy just to kind of be controlling it and to be in the ascendancy. It's like we'd gone back to nil-nil or something or gone back to the start of the game and it just seemed like at that point West Ham were there for the taking and we just kind of you know, did okay but didn't really convert the possession, didn't really convert their kind of tiredness or their um, inability to play the ball out or anything like that into the kind of pressure and the kind of chances that it really should have accounted for and then of course you get that you know inevitable swing where it just came back the other way and suddenly it was West Ham you know in the last 20 minutes or whatever putting us under extreme pressure and all that kind of stuff and it just seemed like we had that period and it, it, I was kind of thinking you know is this the United kind of problem of this team there just isn't that ruthless so there isn't that kind of game management built in to sort of understand when you have to really lift it up in the game and we were just kind of dawdling through that second half and um, thinking that 1-1 was fine or whatever you know and that that was a little bit frustrating to me luckily it all went bucked off in the last sort of five minutes 10 minutes and that was great but it just if it had ended 1-1 i would have been really 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 frustrated by that second half after such a good first half it is weird because we don't seem to we don't seem to lift it as a team almost at times whereas we're looking for maybe one or two someone to do something that will then lift us as a team we're like looking for a catalyst from one of our mm. From one of our, and to be fair, we have the players who can do that. Plenty. Like Bruno yeah. could do it, Pogba could do it, Ronaldo could do it, Mace could do it. Any, any one of them could do it. Sanchez could come and do it off bench, whatever. But until that thing happens, nothing happens. And it's not like we're just kind of like, right, we're going to cycle up, we're going to go, we're going to raise this, we're going to raise, we're going to shift. We're just kind of waiting. And luckily for us, uh, Big Lingard was like, I got this, lads. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, to be fair, like, you know, some credit to West Ham who were defending well. They're obviously well organised. I thought Zuma was excellent. Yeah, Zuma was excellent. I mean, yeah, it is interesting to have a chat about Rice, obviously, who's been linked to us a lot. Uh, You know, I've said before that I think he would be an upgrade for us. I didn't know how much of an upgrade it would be and whether he's worth anywhere near the kind of crazy money West Ham is sure to be asking, you know, when the likes of Jack Grealish end up going for 100 million. Uh, then yeah, how much is Rice going to be worth? But yeah, I actually, you know, I do actually feel I get more and more impressed by him the more I see him. He is definitely a very, very good player. Uh, you know, I have said before that I rate McTominay as well, and how much better is Rice than McTominay? Uh, I mean, where where are you on Rice, Colm? Do you think he is the one? I am high on Rice, let me tell you, um, straight away. I think he will be our main target next summer. I think they basically alluded to that fact. I think they just sort of thought the money wasn't there for what West Ham wanted this year. He's also turning down contracts left, right and centre. You know, I think he sees himself at a top club, given the kind of plaudits he's earned both for West Ham and England. Um, and I am pleased that more people see it because I just think he's superb. I sort of take your point about McTominay. Rice, for me... First of all, it's his positional awareness is something that just neither McTominay nor Fred have. Just the positions that he picks up, where he sits, the ground he covers, and his ability just to nip in there and disrupt. You know, I kind of lost count of how many times he took the ball off Pogba today when Pogba was doing that classic kind of dawdle on thing. And I'm not saying Pogba was very good today, I thought. Um, but it's just like Rice will do that to everyone. He will always be able to nip in there. He'll always be able to make those key turnovers and put himself about. But I also think just in the last year or so, he's grown so much in terms of on the ball play. You know, he's very happy to run it out now, very happy to stride out, so I'm taking sort of 80 yards down the pitch and show some good feet. I think his passing is not, um, you know, eye catchingly good. But when you actually really look at it, it's always super crisp, always to the right place, always moving quickly and always showing for the ball. So, you know, I think when we talk about this McFred thing and we go over it and over it and everyone goes, oh, I wish they were one player. I tell you, if you put them into one player, it would look quite probably a lot like Declan Rice, except Declan Rice is more defensively responsible than either of them, truly. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. You know, I could see us signing Declan Rice and then playing like Pogba um Fernandez in like a 3 4 3 3 kind of situation and actually having that confidence that the person behind them is responsible enough and is good enough to cover the ground and to 
to make up. Not against every team, don't get me wrong. There's times where he will definitely play with another six, as he does for West Ham. But he absolutely can do that. I think he'd be a great sign for us. I think he's brilliant. Also, like you see some of the kind of you know social media bits from the England duty and stuff like that, and he just seems like a bit of a a good lad as well. I think, and also. You're gonna have him for what six, seven, eight years. So even if the the price was seventy, eighty million or whatever it would be, Nick, I think it probably would be around that kind of area. I don't think it would be up at the hundred mil. Um, I, I generally don't think that's bad value if he replicates that level for you know four, five, six, seven years at United. Like, he does have those leadership qualities as well. Um, I can say I am getting more and more impressed with him the more I see of him. I've obviously been keeping more of an eye on him, you know, since we've been linked with him. Uh, he scored a pretty good goal midweek, actually, in Europe. He did. Mm. So, you know, he has got that in him. Uh, Ole made some comments about the midfield area that a lot of people jumped on and said that, oh, Ole's basically saying he doesn't want a defensive midfielder, which I don't think he was exactly saying. He just basically said, you know, we want players who can play, who can defend, who can attack. And Rice has shown he can attack, you know. He's scored a goal there and we have seen him make some nice passes as well. So, yeah, he can fit that bill. Uh, so like I say, yeah, look, I think he would be an upgrade on what we've got. And then, yeah, it just ends up being about what kind of price it goes for over there. Um, but yeah, look, that did come there. But yeah, in the summer, everybody was talking about saying Lingard's going there. We're going to get Rice. Obviously, neither of those things happened. Uh, you know, many people took it to say that we didn't agree a fee over Lingard. Although, yeah, David Moyes also came out this week saying that Ole had told him quite categorically that he was going nowhere and that he wanted him to stay at United. Um, and I saw Lingard getting applause from the West Ham fans, even when he was just warming up. And then he got a bit more of a round of applause when he came on. But I'm pretty sure that West Ham fans will not be applauding him next time they see him after, yeah, an absolute banger of a goal from him. And yeah, written beautifully. You know, he was getting pelters. I felt... Yeah, I saw a slagging off Lingard after that young boys. It was just like proper like hospital pass. It's the only thing you can describe it as. Um, but then, yeah, I kind of thought, oh, he's going to get so much abuse. And, you know, after he'd had all that abuse, he'd kind of come through it, kind of done well at West Ham, reinvented himself. For that to happen to him, I was feeling really sorry for him. So for him to come back straight away, it just shows so much kind of mental strength for him to come back immediately and hit that kind of ball in. And, yeah, it's, it's an absolute worldie, isn't it, Imran? I mean, it shows the kind of mental resilience he's got at the moment to be able to do that. I think if he'd done the exact same thing for us this time last year, there is zero chance he comes on in the next game and bangs one into the top corner. But he's in that is the kind of place he's in now, the belief he has in himself and the form he's in, that he can do that after a shocker of a mistake. Let's, let's, no, let's not sugarcoat it or anything. But I mean, today, to, yeah. do, to do that... Absolutely brilliant! Like proper, just taking the game, taking the taking your moment, whacking it into the top corner. Fantastic, and I'm absolutely chuffed for him. Um, people can go, oh, you should have celebrated. I don't give a shit. Don't celebrate. Sit on the floor as long as you score a goal like that. Fantastic. I'll celebrate enough yeah, for both think... Jesse running around the line <laughs> like an absolute idiot. Um, also, a word for Matic as well, because that was Matic came on for what three minutes and put in a pass today, which bless Fred. He could have played for a week, and I don't think he'd ever hit that pass today in the in the in the kind of game he was having. I mean, Fred can hit that pass at times. I'm not saying he can't. It's just today wasn't going to happen. And yeah. Matic, I thought much less likely. And I know Nick was like, "What the fuck is Matic coming on for?" What's going yeah, on for that, Nick? I have to say, I did I did put that in the group chat. You know, because the one thing is, I find it slightly weird that Matic is still quite clearly ahead of Van der Beek in the pecking order. Because I said, you know, bare minimum that Van der Beek should be like the first kind of sub in midfield if he's not getting starts or whatever. So for me, that like Matic is still quite clearly for Ole ahead of him. I was not that happy with. But look, yeah, he came in. He's made that killer pass uh, that, yeah, Jesse's still had a hell of a lot to work to oh, do yeah. there. So, you know, not saying it's all about the assist, but it was a good ball. Uh, but yeah, Matic, like you say, and yeah, I totally agree with you. Fred would not have been able to make that pass. So, yeah, fair play to Ole. I was saying, look, why, why, what's Matic doing here? Surely it has to be Van der Beek. But, yeah, fair play to Ole. Yeah, he gets, we gave him a lot of grief for subs midweek. But, yeah, in the end, it is the substitutions he's made that's won the game today. So we definitely need to give him that credit when we give him that, you know, abuse for subs that don't go right. 
when they do go right, then yeah, he needs to get the credit as well. And yeah, I was also pleased to see him make that Sancho Lingard substitution around that 70 minute mark. There's too many times we're hitting like 80 minutes and he's not done anything. And then he's bringing people in and you're like, look, 10 minutes is not enough to be making a difference. And so, you know, it was around the 70 minute mark. We see Sancho and Lingard come on. Uh, and yeah, look, and you know, I said a couple of weeks ago that Lingard is more impressive than Sancho at the moment. And yet again, they come on at the same time. And it's Lingard who's the one who seems like he deserves that spot more than Sancho right now. Mm. Well, he's just in a, that's He's in the vein of form that he's in. And, you know, I think we've been expecting a lot from Sancho, which is obviously fair enough. He costs, what, 80 million or whatever. But he's still a young lad. He's adjusting time. I'm not too worried. But And if Lingard's doing what he's doing now, then... Sancho can take that time to adjust because we've got Lingard banging him into the top corner. Here's Lingard. Jesse Lingard! It is the scenario that West Ham fans were dreading. The player who reignited his career on loan here last season gets atonement for his mistake on Tuesday night. So let, let's talk about penalties. Yeah. Um, oh. I mean, there was a whole host of kind of penalty shouts in this game. Uh, Ronaldo had, what, at least three, three. if not four? Well, um, I think one Stonewall, one, one probably not a penalty, but I think some people think it was the one, uh, was it Kufal? Yeah. Kufal with the knees. I think Ronaldo kind of ran into him a bit. Looking for it, yeah, a bit, a bit like uh, Ogbonna did with Pogba in the halfway line that was given yeah, as a foul. Yeah, a little bit, slightly but... identical those two things, and yet one was given as a foul and one wasn't given as a foul. It's also true. I would say maybe that one wasn't a foul. Uh, I would say they're probably both not fouls. Yeah. But you know, if you're going to be, if it's the same ref yeah. in the same I ninety think, minute span I think, of time, I feel like Sufal's pulled that leg away, and Ronaldo's kind of just ran into his knee. And but you have seen them given as penalties, is what I would say yeah. of that as well. And well, I think Sufal if... does make a movement toward like it. There's no doubt yeah. that he's you know. It's just that. It's a bit harsh if you then do give it. Yeah. And also, I do think Ronaldo has absolutely jumped into him in the same but, way that Ogbonna took an absolute 9 out of 10 dive off the top board <laughs> over Paul yeah. Bogba. Um, but, but if that one on Sufal is given, I don't think VAR overturn it. No, no way. Because yeah. there's contact. So, VAR yeah, exactly. Won't. No way. But I don't think that pullback, whatever it was, was a penalty. I mean, if that's a penalty, then Maguire's fucked. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... I don't think the pullback. Yeah, no, but then that that Zuma one, I mean, Jesus Christ, that was Jesus. weird. That was absolutely yeah. That was definite, I think, did, did you think? Penalty. Did you think the only reason was because the ball had kind of already gone? No, I don't know what the reason is. I yeah, I literally can't think of a single reason. You know those instances where like someone's going like one on one, or the keeper's flying out, and the person like boots it twenty yards into the yeah. fucking advertising boards, and then the keeper cleans them out like two minutes later, and they get a penalty, even though like the ball's like away and out by that time, and it's still a penalty. That's why I was kind of like, like, in, like, what is the one possible reason that this isn't a penalty? Other than is it, is the referee just fed up with Ronaldo because he thinks he's diving kind of thing? Notably, he didn't book him for any of these. As dives. Well, he he gave a corner so, as he gave a goal kick as well. So I don't I don't, I I cannot think what he thought happened in that situation that mm. it's both a goal kick and not a penalty, and yeah, just a absolutely. And the, the fact that someone in VAR can just look at that and think, yep, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One thing I'll say for the VAR is that I do think it's way better this season. Yeah. I think they're trying not to overturn things unless they're saying it's absolutely clear, which I think is actually the right way to go about it. But then I would also say that that one was absolutely clear, wrong decision, and has to be overturned. Yeah. Uh, so in general, I'm way happier with VAR this season than last. But there is still issues for sure. Uh, and then, you know, obviously then, yeah, we look at the penalty that gets given against us. And for me, like, you know, Shaw's so close to him. It's not an unnatural position. For me, that is not a penalty. Like, you know, where are your hands supposed to be in that kind of place? Uh uh, yeah, I, I did not think that was a penalty. But yeah, they've given the ref to go and have a look at it. And it's one of those as well where the ref goes to look at it and they just replay the ball hitting his hand again and again and again until yeah. he goes, yeah, that's a penalty. Uh, and, you know, I, mean, I, I, my, I don't like my thing, that at all. My thing with that is I get in this day and age that's, that's kind of a penalty now, but that's a pretty sad state of affairs because, yeah. you know, what are we asking Shaw to do? You know, you can't, you know, there's certain, and this is where context matters in refereeing and not just 
going by these arbitrary rules or indeed arbitrary still images shown to you on the side of the pitch, which I take your point, Nick, because that's ridiculous. You know, I think they now have this idea that natural body shape means anything where your arms are like out and up above your kind of, you know, up, up at your shoulder level or whatever, like outright. And that's just not the case because there's plenty of occasions in football where your arms need to be that way. Like when you're jumping, like when you're running and stretching for the byline to intercept a cross kind of thing and it's just unfortunate obviously it's come straight up from a yard away and hit his hand but that is a natural movement in that in the context of what he's trying to do there are times when you just have to use your arms outstretched from your body you know not all times you know if you're if you're facing a shot front on and you put your arms out and it hits your arm you deserve to get given a penalty against you if you're running to the end of the pitch and stretching to intercept a ball you cannot stretch your leg and not stretch your arm at the same time it's 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 impossible you would fall over it looks stupid it's just it's just not natural so we're saying you know the arm has to be in a natural position or whatever but in that in that context that is natural so i I appreciate they'll probably all be given all season but this is something we'll look at next year and they'll say oh yeah how do we you know um We've had a wee powwow over the summer, and we've decided that we're actually going to refine this rule again, and we're going to take that bit away again. That they will hundred percent step away from this in a year or two's time. Well, when I first when I first saw the replay, I thought that that will be given as a penalty. Yeah, I knew just because of what because of what the rules 100%. are. Yeah. The rules are daft, but because of where the rules are at this given point, it has to be a penalty. Unfortunately, yeah. The annoying. I mean, ultimately, Shaw should be doing that thing where he's put his hand behind his back. Like, it's a crap way to defend, and it's not natural, but that's kind of what you have to do now, and it's stupid. To me, if his hand is in a big star above his head, we're on Zoom, guys. This is pointless for everyone on this audio format. (laughs) If I've got my arm in... If he's got his arm above his head... giving us a visual of how to defend here with your arms. (laughs) Then then fine. If it hits him and and he's doing a big star, fine. But if he's doing that, then I just think it's daft. And also, what annoys me about this is the punishment of a penalty does not fit the crime of the ball hitting your hand. Like, we have to get to this stage where if you are giving a handball away for something like that, if you block a hand on, if you're blocking a shot going in, fine penalty, or if the ball's on route to goal penalty. But if you're blocking a cross like that, it has to be an indirect free kick. We have to think about this logically. That also, indirect free kicks it. inside the box are really fun. So, oh, you know, I mean, th- th- I am. You know, frankly, we don't yeah, see them enough in football. Those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, all like, anything you know, that will increase those. Yeah. Yeah, full wall on the line. Someone's ran up to absolutely punt it as Brilliant. soon as someone's touched it. You know, it's all it's all great stuff. We love to see it. Um, yeah. So if there's a League Two fine. game on on TV and someone tell, texts me to say there's an indirect free kick, I'm turning that game on just yeah, to watch switch it. Switch it on. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, it it it, it is daft. Um, but it did add to the drama. <laughs> I mean, oh, it did. if you're asking me now, would I want it to not be a penalty? Absolutely not. Because you cannot tell. You know, as soon as it, you know, as soon as it happened, I was like, I think he's going to save this penalty. As soon as Mark Noble was oh, coming on, I was like, this is just one of those things. Where I was like, oh, the narrative of Mark Noble exactly. coming on and scoring this penalty. Oh, it's the yeah, worst exactly. thing in the world. It's just hilarious. No and like, even though, even though it's David de Gea coming hot off one of the most embarrassing uh, performances in a penalty shootout you're ever likely to see, both in the term saving category and the taking category. Um, it just seemed to me so obvious that he was going to save that penalty to the point where I was pretty chill about it. However, if he hadn't have, and the game following the poor decisions for our would-be penalties and then being decided by that, my goodness, that would have been frustrating. That would have been very, that would have felt like searing injustice to me. Well, De Gea, I, I'd like to think, or I would, I would guess to think that he has been working on it because his save there was nothing like any of this. In that penalty shootout, um, the one we like to forget, he was his timing of his dive was all over the place. He would either yeah. dive way too early or he'd yeah. basically dive <laughs> way too late. Yeah. Here, he dived at the exact perfect time to save that penalty. To get yeah. across the, the goal, go in the right direction and get a big hand to it. It's a poor penalty from Noble, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the merits of taking on a player, bringing on a player to take only a penalty once again gets brought up as a, a fairly stupid idea. <laughs> um, but I mean, De has been working on it. I think. I think that probably the criticism has gone to his gone to heart a little bit for him. And fair play to him, he's he's worked on it. And I mean, that was a great save. If you if I told you a year ago that we would win a game by Lingard scoring in the last minute and De Gea saving a penalty, you'd think I was crackers. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I have to say that I 
did not think that De Gea would save this penalty just because of his record before. But I thought there was a pretty good chance of Noble missing it completely. Like, you know, I still Even when they brought up that graphic thing. about all those yellow balls going into the net. <laughs> yeah, exactly. even that because, yeah. But yeah, how many of those did he take as his first touch in the match? Uh, you know, which to me is a weird thing. Although, yeah, we have to say Ole bought on two players late on in our, you know, like you say, the penalty shootout yeah. we want to forget. That and they both scored. Yeah, but... One of them is Juan Mata, who could probably like yeah. kick a ball without doing anything into the net. Do you not bring Sancho and Rashford on late and they both missed? No, that's Southgate. That was, that was Southgate in the England. I'm yeah. talking about. Oh, yeah, you, sorry, I'm you've obviously blanked it out. You've yeah. obviously blanked that up out, again? Cole. We were, in the, we were <laughs> no. in the Europa League final Honestly. and we lost the penalty shootout. Uh, look, we're playing them next week, so no one's blanking it out. But yes, that was another example of Southgate doing the exact same thing to the yeah. exact same effect, basically. Yeah, yeah. For Southgate, it obviously didn't work out. As I said, Ole did bring on two players late on and they both scored. But Moyes has done it today. I mean, yeah, we didn't mention the fact that obviously Antonio wasn't playing today, which was damn good for us. Mm. And I think he's their first penalty taker. Well, he missed I his think... last one. Yeah, oh. they've missed something like four to their last five because nobody yeah, didn't play anymore. Daft. Yeah, um, And that's that kind of feeds into why Moyes probably was quite justified. But uh, it's just a bizarre thing, particularly in the 94th minute or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, just let Rice hit, just let Rice hit it. He will clearly score. I have, I have no doubt Rice would have scored that penalty. Yeah, I don't think Noble had been warming up or anything either, which makes no, a massive just, difference. No, it's just go here, head on. Yeah. yeah, I think at least Mata and Tellers, I think they'd be warming up for about an hour by the time they'd come on. So, also, like, I think it's like it's a real like that's got to be a blow for every single player on the pitch. Yeah. Do you mean, don't none trust of you any of you. Don't trust any of you. There's no point to bring this person on other than just because none of you can do this. He had just taken off um, Ben Rama, so I don't know if he was kind of, you know, the next in line to take that penalty. He'd literally taken him off like a minute before the penalty. So, yeah, I'm not sure, like I say, what their kind of pecking order is after Antonio. But, yeah, whoever it was, he's decided to go with Noble. And, yeah, it couldn't have happened to a nicer person to have their <laughs> penalty saved in the last minute. I mean, great redemption for De Gea. And, I mean, he is our number one now. I've been... I, I, Personally, I've always wanted him to be our number one over Henderson, more so because of just, I don't think Henderson's great. But with De Gea in this form, it's definitely more on De Gea just being fantastic. I mean, I don't know where he's learned to kick a ball, but once again today, he launched one to Ronaldo. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, yeah in, in this in this vein of form, you don't you can't take De Gea out. You, he was off his line a few times as well, you know, to Cole, kind of come Cole, out. you'd been very, very, very critical of De Gea in the past, right? So, yeah, Cole. Yeah, ju- justifiably, I feel. And <laughs> yeah, listen, true, um, true. He has been, I think, close to flawless, really, this this season. So that's, you know, that's really all you can say. In every facet of the game, you know, hasn't been slow off his line, hasn't been dominated in the air, or looked really kind of uh, lacking in courage or anything like that, any of those issues that we typically see. He's, he's made some huge saves, some of the stuff that we expect from him. Distribution's been good. He's just saved a penalty. He, like you couldn't, you know, you couldn't ask for more, you couldn't ask for better. And that's that's brilliant. And, and if it continues, I will be delighted. Um absolutely delighted because um whilst I was high on Henderson, that was kind of just as a direct result of how low I was on De Gea after like, you know, truly three to four years of kind of dipping form and dipping form. And um, but truthfully, you know, towards that end of that run, Henderson you know, there was questions there in equal in equal measure, really, probably. Um, and I still hope he gets a chance because I do think he can be a good keeper. But at the moment, he won't get a look. And I agree, Imran. Um, you know, I, you know, he might play midweek here against yeah. West Ham again and, and, and games like that. But I just don't see. Well, I, don't, it I don't think he will. He's not even on the bench yet. He's still He's not. Still, Tom, still not back. No. Yeah. Today, Tom um, Heaton is the sub goalie, so I still don't think Henderson is ready yet. Yeah. Well, look, that's how little we all care about it anyway, because I'm not even checking. You know, we just <laughs> expect it to be De Gea. We're all mm. happy with that. And until, you know, the confidence deserts him or whatever else, and, and you know, some blunders come in, that's just all the better for us. Because um, if he isn't making mistakes and he is making good saves, he is the number one. Like, the, you know, it's definitely the best for the team. And, do you know, it was awesome after the game. You know, it seemed like a big win, just I think because of the kind of emotion of the game from being so comfortable and feeling like we probably should have been you know, a goal or two up to then scoring the goal and then having the penalty being given and all the injustice around the penalties. It actually, I think, got quite a good reaction from the players after the game. Also, the fact that it was Lingard after a difficult um, episode midweek. De Gea obviously saving a penalty. Like, the, the on-pitch celebrations were brilliant. You know, Ole went straight on. All the subs went on. There was a lot of time, I think, spent with the away fans there. Um, and everyone just looked buzzing really good. 
really good kind of emotional scenes at the end of the game a little bit you know it's the fourth game of the season relax but at the same time i think there was like a narrative within that game that kind of justified it and um, rather than like oh my god we're still top of the league we you know we're still undefeated kind of thing because it's you know it's four games in who really cares but i think it was more just about the the flow of the game but it was it was class and the people involved i think you know particularly lingard and and um, you know will be very popular people in that dressing room who haven't just had it the easiest yeah yeah you know as you said Imran, redemption for De Gea, but yeah, redemption for Lingard as well. Those two players, uh, after, you know, stories from there. That's why it's a great story, a great win. And yeah, we're not top of the league because on goal difference, we've gone into third. But yeah, we're joint top. So yeah, when we're top, we'll call it number one. When yeah. we're third, we'll call it joint top. I'm pretty right? sure we were saying, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were top last week and we're still top this week. <laughs> no ball. It's an incredible stop by David De Gea that looks as though it's rescued the win for Manchester United. I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, who have agreed to keep sponsoring the podcast to the end of the year. So if any of our listeners are bored of listening to the Manscaped blurb, tough luck because you're going to be hearing it for several more months yet. Um, So yeah, attention listeners across the galaxy. Our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes into the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job for the leaders in male grooming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to get your rocket ready for takeoff. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code UNITEDHOUR. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I normally really enjoy those Manscaped blurbs, but that space odyssey didn't really land with me at all, to be honest. <laughs> that was, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, no, they had done pretty well to have some kind of football-related puns and things recently. But yeah, I think they've gone for the space theme this month or so, but yeah. I'm going to hit them up and say, look, we want we want some more football ones. We like those ones. But yeah, anyway, look, head over to manscaped.com. United hour, 20% off. You know the score. Um, but yeah, look, let's look ahead then after the next couple of matches. So yeah, we're straight into West Ham again. We've actually got four home games in a, games in a row now coming up. Um, it's West Ham, then Villa, then we've got Villarreal, and then I think it's Everton. Um, so yeah, look kind of favourable run now staying at home for a while you're expecting a lot of kind of shake up in the team surely midweek but I say that so often under Ole and he puts out way stronger teams than I ever kind of expect Uh, you know he's quite clearly been like desperate to win a trophy he's always gone ridiculously strong in games where I just think that he's best off shuffling but surely now with our kind of strong squad strong bench he's got to be giving minutes to some of the other players hasn't he Cole? I mean, surely. Also, because if anyone, if we went out, first of all, is there anything worse than playing the same team in two different competitions, no. one after each other? Like, is that not just one of the worst things that shouldn't be allowed to happen in football? It's awful. No. And it always turns out that one team wins one of the games and then the other team wins the other game because everyone's just like, honestly, who even cares? It's so weird. Um, And you know what? Say if we went out of the Carabao Cup to West Ham, I would be secretly delighted. And to that end, he better not play our starting eleven because it will be a long season. I'm sure Ronaldo wants to rack up some Carabao Cup goals, but he's just going to have to tell him no. And Maguire should have a rest. Get Phil Jones in there. Get Donny van der Beek. Um, I don't know if Rashford will be fit. Get him in. You know, just just play a fully rested team. It, you know, it does not matter if we go out of this competition. Like, does anyone care if we go out of this competition? Will that be a big issue? Am I alone in that? No. no. I mean. He will rest. I think he will rest everyone. And I'm going to cite Brighton last year, another time where we played Brighton twice in a row, uh, yeah. two teams twice in a row because of the cup. And that was also a game where ended on a crazy penalty. I was having flashbacks today, <laughs> actually. Yeah. But my my heart was having flashbacks. Um, <laughs> but we we played, and Brighton actually played a fairly strong team in that League Cup game, if I remember. And we played a complete second team, and we we won, I think three nil, three one, something like that. Uh, and but West Ham. I'm fairly sure West Ham will play a rested team because they've got Europa League stuff and there's no way that they're going to... And plus they played Thursday, they played Sunday and Wednesday and then they'll play again. I I can't see them even coming near a strong 11. We'll probably get Mark Noble just stood in the centre circle pointing <laughs> for 90 minutes. So I, I can't yeah. see... And 
Matt has not had any minutes so far. He'll play. Uh, Lingard hasn't started a game, so he'll get to play. Um, Sancho can start, and that's fine. Sancho, you know, that's yeah, good. Sancho will start probably, maybe even up front uh, if Cavani's not back. So Martial, I think, Martial. Will oh play god, yeah, Martial. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Martial will play up front. Sorry, I totally yeah. forgot about Martial. <laughs> yeah, he'll play. So and then Van der Beek and Matic and uh, yeah. Dallow by Lindelof. Dallow by Lindelof. Lindelof will definitely I was saying this to Nick just before, where were you were around, Kong? I was saying to Nick, I really hope Phil Jones plays after reading his thing from midweek, which just... Yeah, and there's a brilliant piece in the Telegraph from Phil Jones uh, laying it bare. But also, I think, you know, giving a look behind the curtain of what has actually gone on, Mm. particularly with regards to his injuries and, and physical health and stuff, and... You know, he's become an absolute meme and it's such an easy, you know, jibe. I mean, we've probably made it hundreds of times on yeah. this podcast, so we should, you know, apologize to um to Pip. But um, you know, there's some comments and he alludes to them in, in the article that probably just hurt you know very much and, and we're not really fair. And it's it is kind of fascinating um look behind because you know, we even had all those jokes about his testimonial and him kind of turning it down and stuff like that. And a lot of times you would have wondered about his kind of mental state. Um, throughout certainly the latter sort of five six years of his United career, where something that started out with such a a, a trajectory, um, has ended in in just in just an inability to play football really. But it really is a brilliant article, and I te- and like Phil Jones comes off brilliantly in it. I thought, yeah, um, it certainly gave me a lot more uh, kind of empathy for that situation, and made me just consider, you know, my opinion of him and and some of the some of the comments we'd make and have a laugh about kind of thing because. You know, he clearly doesn't want to be in the situation that he's always found himself no. in. You know, no one would. Um, but it's a brilliant, it is a brilliant piece in the Telegraph um, and a brilliant interview. Yeah, and I mean, you just have to, if any of us could be a, a footballer, like you'd be living your dream, really. Like that would be the dream to be a professional, a premiership footballer. And he can't, he just hasn't been able to do it because of his body. And I can't, I cannot imagine the mental strain that would have on you that you would get to do like the something that, millions yeah, and millions totally. of people dream about and, and you also, just can't like, and it's just all the while you know every time he did play he was he was good enough he, he, there was a kind of a tendency towards disaster sometimes in his performances yeah. but you know he, you know he was the one people wanted ahead of smalling he was the one that was gonna you know certainly at the start of his career be you know you know the next kind of huge figure at the club and like he was he was brilliant in his early seasons but even at center back there was a lots of very good performances just consistently interrupted by injury and a lack of minutes and stuff like that so you know it's not that you know, it's not that he wasn't able or wasn't good enough by any stretch of the imagination. You know, certainly for United, but also for a ton of other clubs. So, as you say, it's just one of those one of those kind of career um, defined by injury that is just is just kind of brutal. You know, and some mm. I think some you know medically maybe some some poor decisions along the way, some poor treatments that could have been perhaps handled differently. But that's a very hypothetical thing or a very um, sort of retrospective thing to look at. Yeah, so I really hope he gets a run out on the. Against West Ham, and I think I don't. To be honest with you, I can't work out. If, I don't know if Tellers is back. Um, I saw him training, but I don't know if he's ready. So you'd think with Wambasaka and um, Shaw being rested, you'd have uh, Dallo and maybe a makeshift right back, which could be marauding Phil Jones. Could be, I'm, or I'm, could absolutely be Aaron Wambasaka. Um, yeah, that's I, also true. I saw um, Rashford's back in training. I just wondered um, if he will possibly feature. If that's still a wee bit too soon, because I am fascinated to see his return to the first 11 because I think he will return to the first 11 that then raises the whole Pogba left wing issue of him having to be a centre midfield and then we have to see who who Mourinho who um, Ole is going to put beside him and and, and what way we're going to play in certain kinds of games and I think that'll be because you know you can't play McFred and Pogba and Rashford and Bruno and a right winger and Ronaldo. You know, you, just, you simply can't do it. And yet, I think he will immediately start Rashford, which I think is is the right thing to do because even today, I felt, you know, one of the reasons I felt possibly that Sancho wasn't starting is because he's just again another kind of inside creator. And sometimes we have more than enough of those, particularly when you're playing Pogba on the left. Um, and what Rashford will give us is that more kind of genuine pitch stretching pace and width. Um, mm. and hopefully strike it up again with Luke Shaw, which I would be really keen to see again. So I'm just really excited, A, for him to come back and hopefully after a rest and some surgery and be kind of rejuvenated, the, what that'll do for our shape and our ability to stretch teams, but also kind of how Ole will then move the pieces around. I think that'll be a really good indicator as to 
you know what the team will look like going forward and into the next transfer window what he's going to prioritize and stuff like that because that's a big kind of a big decision is how he fits all these players in now i think um i think olive hopefully will get to the point where it's just a bit like fergie in the heyday where you don't know who's going to play from one week to the next in the way that we have so many good options that it's just he's in he's out he's in he's out Mm. but it doesn't really matter because they're all excellent footballers you'd hope i'm I always like to move, like when people say, what's your first 11? I'm like, well, really? You should be in a situation where you don't have a first 11. You have an 11 for this game, an 11 for that game, an 11 for whatever game. And I'd like to, hopefully, we get to that. I mean, Chelsea kind of have that at the moment, in a way. That's the kind of, and City definitely do. Like, I put, I I spent like eight points putting Ferran Torres in my team this week, and he didn't even play. So, you know, like, it's just... I mean, City have have a too much of that, which is, is like, too much of a good thing. I think Chelsea is definitely a good example, particularly, I think you pretty much always um, guess they're kind of back uh, six. But after that, yeah, you know, it could be Werner one week and then someone else the next. And I I, I agree. I I think you need, you know, 14 or 15, and you know they're going to be the players to play, and you just are never quite sure what combination of attackers you're maybe going to see. And it's... I think that's a good way to motivate and uh, and keep the squad really fresh and happy, and also give you so much impact from the bench, kind of thing, you know. Mm. But and keep the it will be interesting guessing. to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll see Rashford or Jones start this next game, but maybe they'll be on the bench and can get some minutes over there. Uh, as I say, yeah, do go and check out that Phil Jones article. You know, I think people often forget because he's become this comedy figure that he was a really great player as a young player. I mean, I remember even like Fabio Capello comparing him to like Franco Baresi and uh, like, you know, I remember, yeah, he like played regularly for England as a teenager. He played defensive mid, he played right back, he played center back and yeah, he was a top, top talent. And yeah, maybe he played too much football uh, as a youngster. And maybe that is why mm. he's had so many injury problems. You know, we've seen this with other players like Michael Owen, for example, who was done by the time he was like late 20s, you know, early 30s. Uh, you know, it is a recurring thing you see about young players. And it's why, you know, the likes of Greenwood or whatever need to be managed a lot now. Uh, whereas at the same time, you see somebody like Ronaldo who looks like he's ready to go for several more years. So, you know, they, they can go kind of either way over there. Um, but yeah, look, do go and check out that Phil Jones article over there. I I did a full wild card in my fantasy team. Did you do it, Colm? Because you were talking about that. Yeah, I did, I did a full it, yeah. wild card to get in Ronaldo, to get in Lukaku. Uh, but yeah, Lukaku didn't do anything today. But I think, yeah, long term, I had to get those players in there. Yeah, I'm happy enough for mine. I'm happy enough. I'm happy enough. And I have to say, I think me and you, Nick, we're flying the flag because uh, the rest of our cohort do not seem to be very good fantasy football players. Let me just say that right away. Um, uh, someone triple Captain Salah this week. That's decent. Yeah, I needed something. Decent. I mean, a goal and assist, needed... it's not, you know... It's, it's better than better than my usual triple captains, I'll <laughs> yeah, put it that way. Let's, yeah. let's put it that Three way, so. points, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, no... But um, yeah, that it's it's awesome to have so many listeners in that league. Uh, I'm really enjoying kind of going in and looking at our teams because I don't think any of us are going to get near the top spot. There's some serious players there now. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's cool. Well. Ha- I'm happy with my wild card. Happy with my wild card. Yeah, no, same here. Like you say, it's a long term game. Didn't straight off hit off this week, but yeah, I actually went for a Ronaldo captain this week, which to be honest was a kind of head uh, head versus heart thing because Salah yeah. was the obvious option, but yeah. Because I've just spent all that money on bringing Ronaldo in, I was like, right, yeah, so he has to be the captain. See, at least he got a goal. He should have had I at took, least one. Uh, we still, we still didn't I, get to answer that question over who is going to take our. Penalty. That's what I was We're saying earlier. Waiting. That's what I was saying earlier. We had four penalty shots, and I'm desperate to know because the other point Ronaldo. I was going to make is I kind of yeah, well, obviously, but I'm kind of keen just to see it because Bruno's such a good penalty taker that I think that yeah, kind of he's hard to miss any. So can you take it? Off creates him? the conversation would, a little bit more. I would want Bruno to take it. Like personally, yeah, if I could pick, I'd want. I think Bruno's a better penalty taker. I also think it just well, says more for the it. team. Yeah, I agree. Ronaldo will. But take um, it. I was kind of you know for fantasy football, I was kind of you're kind of taking out. I assume a lot of people will be taking out Bruno to have a Lukaku or Ronaldo in. And as the as our first goal went in, I just thought, well, you know that's fine because Bruno will still obviously get points, goals, and assists. But more often, he will be assisting Ronaldo. Now, I think you know we yeah. obviously had that question last week about. You know, them maybe not playing so well together for Portugal, but that being a very different thing. And I just thought today, Bruno was always looking for him, you know, whipping in some outrageous balls and obviously looking for those little sort of dink crosses from the half spaces. Um, and like the goal today is just such a good piece of movement, such a good pass. We will see that so frequently. I think it'll be Bruno latching on to Ronaldo more often than not. So as long as one of them's doing something, you know, happy days. Yep. 
yeah, that Portuguese connection looks better for us than it does for Portugal, as I say. So I think, far, uh, I think it's calm. You'd made that point, right, that they're never yeah. really connected for Portugal, but seems to be working well for us at least. Um, yeah, I think that rounds us off for this week and uh, don't think we will come back after the Carabao Cup game. But yeah, we will see you after Aston Villa next week. Uh, do hit us up on Twitter. Go and check out the Patreon. Uh, cheers to the guys joining us on the kind of discard match day chat. So yeah, if you go over to Patreon, you can join us over there and listen to the pills of wisdom all the way through the game. Can I also just quickly implore everyone who's listening, if you haven't done already, Leave us a five-star review on Apple. Yeah, That would be great. We'll that, if you're yeah. going to leave us a four-star review, don't. In be fact, a friend, bump it up to five stars. Five stars. Bump, bump yeah. it up to five stars. Come on, everyone listening to this podcast, do that. Thank you. Absolutely. If you are listening on any kind of Apple device, go right now, give us a review. Helps us spread the word about the podcast. All right. Good night from me. Cheers. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.